Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name for this time together. I pray your blessing upon our study and our time of teaching. May it inspire, may it lift hearts and minds. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. I'll tell you about my Africa trip later. I got all kinds of stuff, pictures we're putting together. We're editing together a presentation for you to show you all of it so you can see it all in one big splash. And uh, we'll tell you more about that later. Repeat the topic with me today. Say thankful, thankful. Under, pressure. under pressure. I believe the best way to see things is in the life of a person. God in Scripture gives us tremendous examples of people who messed up. People who did it right, people who did it wrong. And it's such an honest book. It's such an honest summary of, of where people go when they get off and how people can turn and go in the right direction. I wanted to find somebody in the Bible who was just thankful. Who could I turn to that would just be an example of appreciation? And Paul, in writing to the Philippian church, is that example. Because the church of Philippi is a church that was kind to Paul. You'll see that in a moment. They, they helped him when nobody else would help him. Do you have anybody in your life who was there for you? Do you have anybody that was like the person when you were down financially, you couldn't, your car wouldn't run and they could loan you a car? You know what I mean? They just said, hey, you can, loan, you can borrow one of mine. And they just let you keep it like it was your own for longer than you want to admit that you kept it. And then they repaired it when it broke when you had it. They, they gave it back to you and said, keep driving. You just go, man, it's just amazing. I remember Steve Harvey, um, uh, they had a special show for him, and these surprise guests came by. And it was a family that had helped him when he didn't have any money, and when he was poor and struggling and trying to make it in the industry. And, and, and when he saw them, he cried. He just, he just cried. He just lost it. And, um, and he, said, um, he said these words, you know, I got some money now. You know, <laughs> I got some money now. I had no money. And he lost touch with them, didn't know where they were. And it was amazing how in that moment you saw the humanity of a person who's now successful being thankful. Who touches you like that? Who was that relative that came by the college dorm and gave you some money? Who's that person that came by and saw you struggling in your relationship and they helped you get back together? Who's that person that couldn't afford something, but they helped you afford it. They, or they just spoke a word to you. They said something to you. They were always that encouraging person. It's really great when you see those people because you're so thankful, so appreciative. Paul was a guy who was thankful in a season of his life that a lot of people wouldn't be. He was in prison. In prison. Imagine that. Paul the Apostle, leader of the Christian faith in his time, a major leader, probably the most quoted man in the New Testament outside of Christ, and he's in prison. For what? For the faith. In a moment when we are not being treated fairly, we are tempted to not be thankful. In moments when we have a difficult job or a difficult boss or difficult circumstances or we feel imprisoned by something, maybe it's debt, maybe it's um, a relationship, whatever it is, you feel like you're Paul in prison. Paul writes to the Philippian church, and he says to them, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He remembers how great they were in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. And I put that in bold print for you under be thankful for support. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Say that with me, please. Come on. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. As he thought about these Philippians, he was touched. Thankful in prison. He was thankful for the support 
He was amazed. He remembered them while sitting in prison. Sitting there, he said, Paul and Timothy, Timothy bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of Christ, Jesus, verse 1, who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, always in every prayer. I can't pray without thinking about you guys, all that you've done for me. And I make requests for you all with, my, all with joy. God bless those people in Philippi, he would say. God touched them. They helped me when nobody else would help me. They were amazing. Thank you for these people. <coughs> Paul was a guy whose life was full of challenge. I thought it would be interesting for you to know when Paul said this in his, in his life. If you go back to the top of your notes, I put down Paul was born in B.C. 5. You see that? Paul was saved at, in A.D. 34. He was 39 years old. 39 years old when he came to Christ. Now, prior to that, he was a Pharisee, a very religious man, a very devoted man, very committed. And to become a Pharisee was like being uh, special forces of religion. This guy, this guy was really amazing, committed well-trained, Ph.D.-trained kind of person at 39. And at 39, he's on Damascus Road, and he falls down and gives life to Christ. Now, just think about 39 years. You lived one way. Now your life's changed, knocking on 40. Now, Paul was first arrested in AD 57. He was now 62 years old. Think about that. There were two main imprisonments for Paul. The first one is in AD 57. Now, he's served Christ from 39 to 62, and now all of a sudden he's in prison. Paul is now released at age 62, uh, 67 years old. He's released, so he spends about five years in jail. Imagine that. And somewhere near the end of that term, he writes the book of Philippi. Somewhere in there he writes it. Probably between 61 and 62 at the end of his Roman imprisonment. Paul's second big arrest and, and martyrdom was in A.D. 66. He was 71 years old now. So he lives to be 71. The reason I say the ages is because it puts it in context for you. You see him a little bit differently. A guy who at 39 comes to Christ lives to be 71. Could have lived longer, but he was martyred by Nero, who later killed himself. Amazing. The guy who killed him killed himself. Just, I think, two or three years later. The story of Paul is phenomenal. A guy who, in the midst of a journey that had all kinds of beatings and challenges and trials, he still found a way to say thank you. Chuck Swindoll uh, uh, mentions this guy and says, the Apostle Paul did not write Philippians in response to a crisis, as he did with Galatians and Colossians. These books, by the way, were written because they were having doctrinal challenges. People were, were questioning the faith. It's really a powerful study in those two books because he, he, he goes after them. He told the Galatians, he said, who has bewitched you? Who, is, who got you to believe stuff that you shouldn't believe? In the book of Colossians, same idea, the same concerns, uh, the idea of discipline worship, worshiping discipline and worshiping their belly and what they ate and didn't eat and all the strengths they had. It was fascinating discussion in those two books. He said, but this book was not written out of any crisis. There was no doctrinal crisis. There was nobody leaving Christ, any of that. Instead, he wrote to express his appreciation and, and 
affection for the Philippians, for the Philippian believers. More than any other church, the, the believers in Philippi offered Paul material, listen, they gave him money, material support for his ministry. They helped him. And Philippians 4, 15 talks about this. So I want you to notice this now. He was thankful in prison. Number two, he was thankful for support. He remembered them while sitting in prison. And then secondly, he remembered what they did without any prompting. And that's a big statement. No one prompted them. Nobody forced them to do this. Isn't that wonderful when people do things for you and they just want it? Philippians 4, 15 through 20. Listen to what it says. Verse 15. Now, when the Philippians knew also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church, bold print for you, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You are the only people who came. You are the only ones. Nobody else. That's a big statement. You ever been in this state where nobody helped you? But then, like riding on a horse, dun, 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 here come the Philippians. Here comes somebody calling you, bringing groceries by. Here comes somebody. It's just amazing. You just, you just think, I am so stunned that God would bring somebody. And sometimes they didn't know they were the ones that were coming to save the day. They'd had, they had absolutely no clue that God wanted them. I was... I told the story before, but I was in line. I went to get some shots for my trip someplace around the world a couple, three, couple, three years ago. And, I, I, and then the lady said, okay, Pastor Rick, go out and get your, you got to pay for this shot. You know, you got to pay before you can get the shot. So I went out and got in line and stood there, and this lady was in line, and she had about three, I don't know, three kids, and it was time to get shots for school. And she didn't know it cost that much money. And the kids needed, it was about 300 bucks, I don't know how much, it was more than 50 bucks. And, and, and the lady was saying, oh, man, oh, ma'am, I didn't, I didn't plan to, to do that. And she's in front of me. And so while she's saying she don't have it and the kids are celebrating and partying, like, oh, good. <laughs> she don't have it. <laughs> no, they were really happy. They were like, oh, God, this is really great. <laughs> okay, let's go, Mama. Let's go. Let's forget it. And so I said, no, I told her, no, 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 I'll pay. I felt in the spirit, you know, you need to, you need, you need to pay. Oh, well, well, okay, yeah, okay. But no, no, I didn't say for that reason. I just, it was, it was one of those moments. Every now and then the Holy Spirit will make you the blesser and you didn't plan to be the blessed. I remember one time I was in line and this guy, he was in front of me with the groceries. Well, oh, by the way, back to the story. The kids didn't like me at that point, by the way. <laughs> kids, kids didn't like, kids, oh, Lord, it was amazing. But um, I was in line one time in, in a grocery store and this guy had this big buggy full of stuff. I mean, he had like two buggies full of stuff. It was like, oh, God, what are you doing, dude? You buy all this stuff. I said, like, boy, I'm glad I'm not paying your bill. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to pay his bill. I thought, you got to be kidding me. This cannot be God. This has got to be the devil. There's no way in the world am I supposed to buy all that stuff for him. And sure enough, sure enough, sure enough, I went and I said, you know, excuse me, I don't know your name. I don't know your name. Uh, it sounds crazy, but I need, I need, I just felt I need to buy, I need to buy this for you. The guy fell out. He was so excited. He'd been praying for a miracle. And, and I got behind him. So now I'm going to get behind anybody in any line. And just, <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> wait till I go to the fast line, the fast pass. I, and if, no, I ain't going over there. God might have me do something over here. <laughs> Come on, say all my money. Come on. Come on, lift your hands. Say all my money belongs to him. Amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All my money belongs to him. A friend of mine told a story how God told him to give away his house, his car, 
and, he, and all of his statements, and he did. Some of you said, no, God, don't tell me that. Just don't tell me. I see some people shaking their head, please, Jesus. <laughs> but there are moments. There are moments. When, when the Lord calls you to a task that may not be prosperous, to a season of sacrifice. What's wrong with our world is there is no sacrifice. I'm going to post something on my website. I, I saw T.D. Jakes respond to this whole issue of, our, of, our, of our, what's going on in our world today and all this tension, racial tension. You know what he said? He said, you know, the tension and all this happened, even in this election, this happened. If I can just sidestep into that and get right out of it. He said, he said something powerful. And I'm going to post this. It's, I, I, I won't be posted probably tomorrow. But um, under, uh, on my website, rickytemple.com, you click on menu. And then there, there's a list of articles. And under articles, I post all kind of stuff. I post um, things I read, things I think are cool, and I categorize them in order alphabetically. So there's one called politics. And in, under politics, uh, in the articles, rickytemple.com, everybody say Ricky Temple. Dot com, right? And so you can be nosy. What's Pastor Rick <coughs> What books is he reading? It's a section called Read with the Pastor. All that's there. And it's just so you can go find stuff I'm doing. And <coughs> in articles under politics, I'm going to put this article by T.D. Jakes. I just heard it. He was interviewed by Bill Heibel. And uh, in this interview, Jake said something so profound. He said, whenever you have uh, an infection and it hurts, that's a, that's a blessing to you. Because it shows you what's wrong. Oh, I thought that was powerful. I thought that was rich. And, and, and the pain, if you ignore it long enough, it just gets worse. And he talks about forgotten people who are in pain because they don't look like you doesn't mean that they're not in pain. There are people who don't look like you. And uh, he said, he used the Good Samaritan as an example. He said, um, just like that Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan story, you know, he rode by and got down off his mule and went down to help somebody. Good God Almighty. I said, you go, Jakes. That's the, that's, I, because sometimes we need to get off our mule, off our lifestyle, off of our comfort zone and get down and help somebody. And do something that cost us something. And hear everybody. Hear everybody's pain. Poor blacks, poor whites, poor women. Midwest, South, East, everywhere. And it's when we ignore the infection that the disease gets worse. And so because it still hurts, we're not healed yet. But how many believe that God can help us get healed? Come on, say amen. If I can, let's go a little further. He went on to say, he was asked the question, do you think healing happens only through faith? He said, yeah, I believe faith is important, he said, but you know, those of us with faith have not done a good job. We've been the ones who oftentimes supported the pain and not brought the healing. And so I'll let y'all, that's, that's just too good. That's just good stuff. Come on, say, preach it, Pastor Rick. Come on, preach it. Well, I didn't say that. Jake's did, praise God. But <laughs> so he remembered them while sitting in prison. He remembered them while they... Uh, without any prompting. It wasn't anything that he did. No church, he said in chapter Philippians 4, 15, no church shared with us, with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, look at this now, Philippians 4, 16, even in Thessalonica you sent and uh, once and again for my necessities, verse 17, not that I seek the gift. I'm not 
begging or trying to manipulate you into giving me more. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. God's going to bless you guys. What I want is the fruit that God's going to bless you with because of what you've done. Because you thought about me and no one forced you. Verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am blessed, he says. And I'm full, having received from Aphrodite. That's the guy that brought the gift. The things sent from you. It's a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Notice, he says, because you guys thought about me, because you did this, it's kind of like what grandmama feels when you come by with groceries or with someone, you know, feels because you brought something and didn't want anything. It's that Paul says, you guys were incredible. And then he says this surprise thing, my God shall supply all you need according to his riches and glory. Now, people like to quote that, but they're not givers. So I want you to see in the context of this, he's thanking the church for what they've done. And he says, because you guys have been so kind, God's going to supply your needs because you were faithful in supporting people like me. Amazing story. So please don't claim this verse unless you're a giver. So he loved them. He sacrificed. He thanked them. He, I'm sorry. He thanked them for their sacrifice in prison. He thanked them for their support. And then notice, finally, his lifestyle said he was thankful. Because I'm in the neighborhood of Paul's conversation with the Philippian church, I thought it would be good to go to chapter 3 and chapter 4 to make just three or four more quick observations. I'm, I'm in, this, in this area where I noticed that not only did Paul's words say he was thankful, but Paul's lifestyle said he was thankful. And sometimes that's what's hard for people. It's hard for people to say, you know, I need, I need, to, I need to make sure that my, the way I respond to my life tells God I'm appreciative. I, I really uh, love these words in verse chapter 3, verse 12. Paul, first of all, was intentional about and honest about his imperfections. I love that. Not that I've already attained, he said in chapter 3, verse 12. I'm not perfect, people. I'm not already perfect, perfected. But here's what I'm doing. I am pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. I I am committed in my life to intentionally being honest with you about where I'm not. That, that to me is a way that you say to God, I know the truth about me. I'm thankful that you love me. I'm not perfect. It's tough to list your mistakes. I make a habit of it. I make a habit of preaching every now and then. Uh, times I was intentionally wrong. I was, I'm sorry, not intentionally wrong, sincerely wrong. That's how I say it. There were times I meant well in my marriage. There were times I meant well financially. There were times I meant well in leadership, but I just didn't see it. And it takes great maturity to say, I'm not perfect. Secondly, Paul was intentional about how he managed his thoughts. Now, I love this because he, he goes on in verse 13 and says, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do I've learned the power of forgetting those things which are where? Behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead of me. Thankful people, I think, have to start with managing their thoughts because your thoughts are what make you unthankful. You, 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 I, I fight what you fight sometimes. The tendency to dwell on things I shouldn't dwell on and, and, and become trapped by them. It, it takes strength to forget something. I choose to forget that. 
I choose to forget you owe me that. I choose to forget. I choose not to lay that to your charge. I, I, I choose to be a bigger than what happened to me. And I love this because he goes on in chapter 4, verse 8, and I'm jumping chapters here a little bit. Finally, brethren, here's what he says. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report if there's any virtue, and the word virtue means excellent, is there anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, big word, on these things. I should have bold that word for you. Meditate on these things. My issue, your issue, our issue is what we, what we think about. You're not thankful when you look at your thoughts. I mean, you go on a job every day, and what do you focus on? What's good? No. Did you have a job? No. You can't. You applied for that place. They didn't seek you out. You came. You applied. You asked to be there, and now you're unthankful. And you only think about what's wrong. And that's what happens in marriage. That's what happens in relationships. That's what happens with our children. That's what happens in every area. If you're not careful, every time you meet your kids, I make a practice to not do this. Every time I meet with them, out of ten visits, how many times do you criticize something? Nine? There's a pick on this or a pick on that. You need to clean up. You need to do this. Hey, just step over stuff and love them. (laughs) Don't always, don't always. Come on, amen. Come on, amen. Just... There's something about letting our relationships be more than critiques of each other. Paul was the kind of guy who said, ah, forget that. I'll let that go. His lifestyle said, I'm thankful. When people see you coming, do they go, oh, God. And I had to learn as a pastor not to do that. I, I mean, I, you know, I go to churches and I meet pastors, and, and I can see things that are wrong all the time. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. You do it for 35 years, you figure out stuff. I, I can see why you're not growing. I can, see, I can see a lot of things. But let me tell you one of the things I've learned. Don't always say it. Amen. You're not called. You're not like some prophet who needs to always prophesy to everybody you visit. I, you know, I meet these people. This is really astonishing to me. Now, I don't, I don't normally say what I could say. It depends on the mood. You, know, you catch me on the right day, you might get away with it a little bit. Well, look at you, Pastor. And they want to point out something about me. Uh, you know, maybe today's the day I eat a grape or something. I don't know. You know, and they want to point out something. And I want to go, really? you glad you caught me in a holy good day. Because if I was ghetto, I'd say, look at your feet. They might have big, you know what I'm saying? Or I would point out something about your ear. That ear is bigger than that one over there, you know. But see, now that's ghetto. Everybody say ghetto. We're not going to do that. But I'm amazed at people who feel it's their responsibility to always highlight when they first see you something that's wrong with you. You know, you just, you just, you just, and I tell myself, stop it, Temple, stop it. Don't be that person who's always, 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 if you're a school teacher and you spend every day criticizing the system, Every day you come to school, I hate this good job. Principal don't know what he's doing and superintendent don't know what he's doing. Well, you ain't in charge of nothing but your class and you buzzing about the kids and the kids don't know what they're doing. And the parents don't know it. You're the only wise person in the world. Everybody else crazy. See, you got to be careful. You don't eat that soup. You slurp that up, you become a dangerous person. You criticize everybody. To help Jesus. Come on, help Jesus. 
What's everything that's true, noble, just? Think on these things. Then I love verse 9. He said, the things that you've learned and received and heard and saw. You didn't do the things you've learned, things you've received, heard, and saw in me. Notice he says, my lifestyle. Look at how I live my life. Do those things. And then the God of peace will be with you. I love the fact that he, he says, I want to show you how to live a thankful, appreciative life. I'm, I want you guys to remember my, my, my example. Are you that example who admits you're not perfect? Are you that example who forgets what's behind you and goes forward? You don't drag up your kids' failures. You don't constantly mention to people what they've done wrong to you. You don't make that a, a, a part of your, your, your daily communication. Can you, can you think beyond what happened and be thankful that you have a new beginning? Now, I want to switch order to what I call, it's called inverted order here. I want to go to chapter 4, verse 15, and then I'm going to go to chapter 4, um, verse 14. This is what he says. Therefore, let, it, let us as many as uh, are mature have this mind. And I want to I say this to you because I think it's really important. Part of, part of what, what I love about the Bible is how, how profoundly simple it is. And how sometimes when you read the Bible and you read God's word, your mind uh, can be lifted to places that you never knew before in life. And when I read this, I want to read this to you again because I, I think it's just so profound. Philippians chapter 3, verse uh, 13. Go back to chapter, verse 13. Brother, I do not count myself to have arrived. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are before ahead, I press toward the goal, the prize of the upper call of God in Christ. Therefore, verse 15 says, let us as many as, as are mature have this mind. If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it, even this to him. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us all have the same mind. Now, that's not in your notes, but I want to just read that to you because I want you to hear how Paul summarizes in his life how he sees I'm imperfect I'm on a journey I'm not where I need to be and I know that God has given me grace and I know that God has given me strength and I know this verse 15 as many as are mature need to have this kind of thinking Paul was intentional about being mature in his thinking and Paul was intentional about setting forward goals. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God. I need to, in my life, keep my eyes up. Lift your hand with me, please. I need to keep my eyes up and my hands up. Because I need God to guide me. I need to keep my eyes up, my hands up. I need to keep my heart up. I need to be thankful. I need to be appreciative. I need to say, Lord, I, I, I want to have a mature way I think. I need to have a mature way that I process my life, a mature way that I engage my life. And Paul is that guy. Paul is this guy who gets it. Paul is this guy who sees. Paul is this guy who's not afraid. I press toward the, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. That's in chapter 3, verse 14. And therefore, as many of us as are mature, mature people, we need to have this way of thinking. Now, he's setting himself up pretty high 
as an example, and it inspires me. And it makes me want to set those kind of goals in my life. I close with what I call my five things that I'm thankful for that I thought might be inspirational to you. Five things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful when I look at where I came from. I'm thankful when I look at where I am now. I made it this far. Now, I may have a long way to go still, but I made it this far. That's a good thing. I'm thankful when I look at the mistakes I made and survived them. I survived them. Come on, you ought to say that loud. Say, I survived. You survived. You raised children. You worked on a job. You went through some kind of challenge, divorce, remarriage, whatever you went through. You went through loss, but you survived. Number four, I'm thankful when I look at my future and I see my long-term potential. I make it a habit every day to say when I get out of bed, now, Ricky, tell me about the guy you see in your mind. Is he a lazy guy who lays in his bed and is late? Or is he a guy who gets up? <laughs> He's a guy that gets up. This is the rule of routine I go through. Get up out of bed, sir. Be the man you see in your mind. Be the guy you see in your mind. Your clothes are laid out. Your stuff is ready. You did it last night. You're going to be early. You're going to be on time. You're not going to be late. You're prepared. You did your homework. You are not the guy who's always apologizing and making excuses. You're not the guy who always needs a handout or a help. You're the guy that works hard and gets it himself. You're the guy who tries. You're the guy who leads a church that's going to be prosperous and strong, and the people that you lead are going to be strong and prosperous. Everybody say amen. amen. Hurricane strong. I, I believe you've got to see that in your mind first. Some, sometimes the problem is you don't see it, so you don't do it. I, I aim toward that goal. I, I look and say, what's my potential in front of me? If we had $50 million before now, I'm sure we can get $100 million in the future. Why are you all quiet? Amen. I'm trying to figure out why you're quiet. You ought to be saying amen. amen. I said if we had $50 million since we've been here, I don't see why we can't have $100 million in the future. Amen. Come on, talk to me, somebody. And if, if we're paying off our debt, we're under $2 million or 2 or 2.8 or something like that, that means that we, we have $97 million to spend. ain't happy enough for me. I'm telling you right now. I'm trying to give you some math. I'm trying to see where the money go. I'm telling you where the money is right now. I'm telling you. Yo, about 2.8, we got about a whole bunch of land, and we got some apartment buildings, so we got, so we, it's a bless, and it's worth way, way, worth way more than that. So that means if we get 100 million, we can, we got 97 million dollars to plan. What did I say? 97? 97 million. 97.2. You done added it up. Look at you. Yeah. I, I just believe that God can do abundantly above all we ask to think. Come on, people. We ain't dead yet. Come on, come on, come on. We ain't dead yet. But you got to see your potential. Come on, do me a favor. Do like this. Say, I see my potential. That's why you ain't got one. You ain't even do what I told you. Come on, walk with the preacher. Come on, come on, try. Get your eye. I got to wink with that. Say, I see my potential. Come on, I see. See, it's so far down there, you can, you're winking because you, it's... You got to, yeah, I see it way down there. I see it. I see myself having more money. I see myself being healthy. I see myself being strong. I see myself on top, not on the bottom. I see myself 
touching the world. I see myself helping people. I see myself. I see people calling me for help. Say, come on, I need your help. Now, if you don't see yourself, that's all right. I'm going to help you too, praise God. You're looking up say, hey, hey, where Ricky at? He, overcoming by faith, got to live up to his name. Come on, come on. We're going to live up to our name, praise God. We overcome. Number five, we're done for the day. I am thankful when I look at those who gave up, and I'm still moving forward. I know a lot of people who quit. I know a lot of folks who came down the aisle, and they was happy and thankful, and now they're not happy anymore. I know people who, who started in the ministry, the average pastor, last five years. That's it. This knocks them out. I got some who've been, I'm counseling now, they've been in there for a year, two, three years, and they're already tired. They're ready to quit. <laughs> people wearing them out one at a time. It's a preacher killer. Go to school, get all those degrees, and you get in, people just pick on you like little birds. Pick, 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 pick on you. You just say, you know what, I just quit. I'm not doing all this. They just, you know, but I thank the Lord. I look, I'm 35 years and still fresh, still excited, still happy, still ready to go. That's not because I'm Superman, but I serve a super God who says he can. Come on. Do you live a thankful life? If you do, you are well on your way to building a future that you will love. Next week, I'm going to start a series called Building a Future. I want to look at who builds your future, how to build your future, and one thing that can stop you from building the future you deserve. And I'll tell you what that is, a hint, fear. You built what you now experience. The word build is a verb, and you were involved in building what you now experience. You say, well, I don't like what I have. Well, let's build something different. Here's the advantage of having built the wrong thing. Now you know what not to build. And I want to show you in the next three four sermons how to do that. But what I did was I brought a guest with me next week. And we're going to have sort of like a dual thing. I have a special guest who is a model of building a future that has taken him all over the world and has led him to oversee about a billion dollar corporation. I said a B, didn't I say billion? He will teach and uh, he will teach and then we will have a talk with the pastor session with him next Sunday at 9-11. Now, here's what I want you to hear. The reason that I'm, the, the friend happened to be in the area and so I said, well, hey, why don't you come by and so we're going to, I thought it would be such a cool, I already told him the topic. I want, he, I want you to hear his perspective on building a future. And if anybody is qualified to talk about how you build a future, this is the guy you want to hear. He's a really good friend. And I want you to also, as somebody that many of you have never seen, uh, you don't even know I know him, but it's going to be wonderful. So who is it? Come and see. And, <laughs> and then we're going to have a sit down and we're going to have a talk with the pastor. And I'm going to share. And you guys can come and play the piano now. I'm about to the end. I know y'all don't know. And I'm about to end, but I'm about to end now. See, I'm let you go home. And uh, I want you to just for a moment join me in prayer. And let's believe God today to heal your life, bless your life, strengthen your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak the word of God over your people. First of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you for the courage to build a future. Thank you for the opportunity to serve your people. We leave this place today encouraged, inspired. We leave with confidence and faith. And so, Lord, I lift my hands and my heart to you. 
And I declare over our church, over our lives, we are confident that your hand's on us. Thank you for this message. Thank you for this moment to just reflect on what you said to us in your word. And thank you for examples like Paul, imperfect people who knew how to say thank you. And thank you for the Philippian church that inspires us to give without being prompted, to be faithful in our giving and supporting because we believe in the cause and we rally around the vision. And because we band together, we can do amazing things to help the world be a better place, to help make a difference, not just talk about things, but to band together as a team and make an amazing difference in Jesus' name. Can I give you a little hint? I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Rally around as a family, three or four of you, and identify a person in your family, a young person, that's going in the wrong direction. And I want you to adopt that person. If they'll let you, reach out to them and say, can we, can we help you? Can we, and don't, don't criticize them. Say, can we help you? You'd be surprised what that can do. And then make that your goal. A young girl told me a story the other day. She said, my dad would never talk to me. When I visited him, he would be in the room for just a few minutes, and then he'd leave. But she said, you know, show me the story just yesterday. She said, but my uncles. I had some uncles. And they just rallied around me and told me how wonderful I was. And when they came in town, they would stop by and take me to get ice cream. And she grew up wondering why her dad wasn't there. But then she said, God brought me uncles. Come on, say amen. God brought me uncles. Be that uncle, that aunt, that person. She says, come on, ride with me. Come on, spend the night with me. Come on, go on this vacation with us. You can't afford it, but we're going to take you. We're going we're to help you. Go visit that cousin that's in college that's by themselves or that, that single parent that's struggling with the kids. And say, let, me, let me keep these little people. <laughs> you may have to have a little conversation. All right, today's going to be different than you with your mama, okay? We're not going to have all that terrorizing. But even they need to be loved. Go make a difference. You know why some people don't make money in business? Because you're in business to make money, not to make, make a difference. You ever notice when you walk in the Waffle House, they say, Walk in the Waffle House! They're trying to get to your mind. They're trying to make you feel like you're part of the family. And when you leave, thank you for coming! They're trying to get to your mind. You know, and after a while, you walk in there, you, nobody don't say anything. They say, hey, what's up? You better speak to me. Make you feel like they're family. You get there, they know your order and stuff. I call places sometimes, they know my order. This Pastor Rick? I'm trying to disguise my voice. <laughs> But I feel so good. Be the person who makes somebody feel that way. Lord, we pray today as we leave that that's what happens in the hearts of your people. That we feel like I've got to go make a difference in somebody's life. I've got to be that positive, thankful, excited influence in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I get it. I realize that what you said today has made me realize that I'm not maybe being thankful in my lifestyle that I haven't surrendered my life to Christ I've never really made a real effort to 
get my life on the right track. So today, I want to consider that. I want to pray a prayer for you today, if that's you. Father, I come to you. This is what the prayer I pray you pray today. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want, to, I want to admit that I haven't been serving you, but I want to serve you today. And I ask you to come into my heart and into my life and let this day be my day, that I start a brand new relationship with you. I won't be perfect overnight, but that's okay. Paul wasn't perfect, but he said, I press toward the mark. He wanted a relationship with the living God. So, Lord, I pray today that if there's anybody in this room, that that prayer applies to them, that they want to give their life to you, that this prayer would be the beginning of that walk. Jesus' name, whether they're here or at home, wherever they are on, on demand, let this be the beginning in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that prayer was for me. That prayer you just prayed is the prayer I declare in my life. I want to give my life to God today. Raise your hand and let me know who I pray for. Who said, yeah, that's me. I need to start a walk with God. I need to get my life going in the right direction. I see your hand. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. I see your hand. Anybody else? Pastor, that's me. Some of you, God bless you. I see you raising your hand. Many of you, thank you. I see you. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands and those who raise their hearts today. Let this be the beginning of a new walk for them. In Jesus' name.